You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. One of the reported benefits of endoscopic vein harvesting is a lower risk of wound complications following coronary bypass grafting. Though it's yet to be established that long-term clinical outcomes for this technique are superior to those achieved using an open harvesting technique under direct vision. New findings suggest the need to weigh short-term benefits against long-term outcomes. Our guest is Dr. John Alexander, Associate Professor of Medicine and Director of Site-Based Clinical Research in Cardiology at Duke University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Alexander. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I was delighted to catch up on an article that I missed in July in the New England Journal of Medicine, Endoscopic versus Open Vein Harvesting and Coronary Artery Bypass Grafting. Maybe for the listeners, you could just start by describing the study population in this report. Sure. We took data that was collected as part of a uh, industry-funded randomized clinical trial looking at a novel drug to prevent vein grafts from failing in patients undergoing coronary artery bypass surgery. And in that trial, we collected whether the vein grafts were harvested using an open technique or using an endoscopic technique. Now, these patients were enrolled in the trial in 2002 and 2003, so some time ago. But the trial also had angiographic follow-up on the majority of patients at one year and clinical follow-up through three years following the bypass surgery. And these were patients undergoing routine coronary artery bypass surgery at 107 U.S. hospitals that participated in the trial. And these were isolated bypass patients, right? No valve surgery? That's correct. The trial was focused on understanding the effects of this drug on graft failure and targeted a population undergoing coronary artery bypass surgery only in order to avoid the complications associated with concomitant valve surgery. I don't want to keep our listeners in suspense. What were the results of the study? Yeah, so they were somewhat unexpected. In the overall trial, we found a higher-than-expected graft failure rate. And when we looked at the predictors of graft failure early after the trial was unblinded, we found that endoscopic graft harvesting was one of the independent predictors of graft failure. In this analysis, we extended those findings to clinical outcomes. And somewhat to our surprise, we found that endoscopic graft harvesting was also a predictor of worse clinical outcomes, including higher mortality at three years. What a surprise. I I would imagine this was totally unanticipated. It was unanticipated, and it came as a surprise, but We really didn't know the long-term effects of endoscopic graft harvesting on clinical outcomes because they had never previously been studied. That being said, this study does have a number of limitations, and so I wouldn't consider it definitive evidence that endoscopic graft harvesting is associated with worse outcomes, but it's certainly suggestive that there might be a problem with harvesting veins endoscopically in terms of their long-term durability and the prevention of recurrent heart attacks and other ischemic events in this population. 
Well, and and before I know we'll get to describing the limitations in this study and really the limits of what this study can tell us. But before we get to that, what are some of the hypotheses you're entertaining to explain why, if this is the case, why endoscopic vein harvesting would be associated with adverse clinical outcomes and a higher rate of graft failure? Well, no one knows for sure, and our study doesn't definitively address the mechanism. So the speculation goes that endoscopic graft harvesting, while it results in less trauma to the patient's leg during harvesting, likely results in more trauma to the vein, the vein graft that's being harvested. And that trauma may be from heat or from mechanical trauma related to tugging on the vein or from inflation of the subcutaneous tissues to allow the harvesting. And that trauma at the time of harvesting may lead to higher rates of graft failure and therefore worse clinical outcomes long term. Describe to us what the definition of graft failure was in this study. So as I mentioned, we brought all patients back for angiographic follow-up or a heart catheterization at one year following their coronary artery bypass surgery. And we define graft failure as a 75% or greater stenosis in any portion of the vein graft at that follow-up angiogram. Now, that being said, because of the way that vein grafts fail, almost all patients who had vein graft failure had occluded vein grafts because once flow is reduced in a vein graft sufficiently, it usually completely clots off. Important to note here that the angiograms were done at year follow-up, but there was no correlation between symptomatology or ischemia on a test or anything. This was just routine angiographic follow-up. That's right. These were angiograms that were performed as part of the original protocol. They were not angiograms that would have been routinely performed on a clinical basis in a similar population. I realize this could make a scientist like you very uncomfortable to to live in the speculation world, but you would be generating hypotheses. So if we might explain the graft failure based on trauma to the vein in the endoscopic harvesting group, what might explain the clinical outcomes? Well, you know, when grafts, these grafts are put in to bypass blockages in important coronary arteries, that's the whole purpose behind coronary artery bypass surgery. And having those grafts fail may lead to recurrent angina that leads to repeat interventions or may lead to a heart attack. Or if the graft that fails is supplying an adequately large area of the heart muscle may lead to the patient's death. And so our hypothesis, again, it's another step of speculation, is that these higher rates of graft failure are what leads to the worst clinical outcomes that we observe through three years of follow-up. Now, we don't have a direct link between graft failure and the worst clinical outcomes after this angiographic follow-up, and that's a limit, another limitation of this data set and really any follow-up data set is likely to have similar limitations. Let's talk then about the limitations. How does this study both inform us and help us form the next study? So this study has two important limitations, and the first and most, by far most important limitation is that it wasn't randomized. So that means that patients who got endoscopic graft harvesting and those who got open graft harvesting were different. And we try to account for those differences 
using statistical techniques and adjusting for those differences, but that is never perfect. And so it is impossible to state definitively that it was the endoscopic graft harvesting that led to or was causal in the worst angiographic patency of the grafts and the worst clinical outcome. That means that the only way to address that in a future study is to do a randomized clinical trial where patients are randomized by flipping a coin, essentially, to either endoscopic or open graft harvesting. And there are ongoing discussions about doing such a trial to answer that question definitively. The other important limitation is that this was endoscopic graft harvesting as conducted in 2002 and 2003. And so like many medical technologies, by the time we have one answer to a question, the technology has changed and the question is raised whether what we found with endoscopic graft harvesting in 2002 and 2003 still applies to how endoscopic graft harvesting is performed today. So surgeons today are more likely to use anticoagulation and are more likely to try to avoid trauma to the vein, perhaps, than surgeons were in 2002 and 2003. And this might lead to different outcomes in the study conducted today as compared to a study where the patients were enrolled in 2002 and 2003. And this is just a constant influence over studies because the technology and the science are are moving forward all the time. So by the time you can collect enough people and capture the experience and, and issue the report, the field has moved and hopefully improved. That's correct. I mean, that leads you to what I think is the most important message out of this study is that we would like to identify ways to improve endoscopic graft harvesting so that one can have both the benefits, the short-term benefits on wound healing and patient satisfaction and pain that are important, but also avoid the adverse or the potential adverse long-term consequences of endoscopic graft harvesting. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright, and our guest today is Dr. John Alexander, Associate Professor of Medicine at Duke University School of Medicine. We're talking about endoscopic vein harvesting in coronary bypass graft procedures. Dr. Alexander, as you were describing, the goal, of course, is to improve endoscopic vein harvesting to get the short-term benefits and patient satisfaction and the long-term clinical benefits. I distinctly remember in preparing patients for coronary, my patients for coronary bypass graft surgery, I would often tell them that even though it seemed that the sternal wound, the sternal incision would be extraordinarily painful, that most people were not so bothered by that, but I did try to prepare them for the discomfort of dealing with the leg incision, most prominently at the knee and at the ankle at those flexure points. So when our hospital began to do endoscopic vein harvesting, there was a dramatic improvement in patient satisfaction. They were almost, well, they were very proud of the tiny one-inch incision they had on the leg as opposed to what they had seen with other people. Do you see, again, if further studies confirm that endoscopic techniques bring you short benefit, short-term benefit, and, and yet worse outcome, do you see this being a topic for shared decision-making with a patient as they bring their own perspective into decisions about which technique they might undergo? Um, Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think even if the adverse effects on long-term clinical outcomes are confirmed in a randomized clinical trial, 
there's still a valid balancing act here between short-term benefits and long-term risk. As I said previously, in the ideal world, we would try to figure out how to have both, both the short-term benefits and avoiding any long-term risks associated with endoscopic graft harvesting. And I'm actually confident that the device manufacturers and clinical researchers will be able to find a way to perform endoscopic graft harvesting that gets both. But even in the absence of that, there's a valid balancing act that needs to be performed between the short-term benefits on pain and wound infections and other quality, important quality of life issues for patients undergoing coronary artery bypass surgery and these long-term risks. And patients undergoing surgery are obviously focused on the here and now. And this is a discussion that needs to happen between surgeons, cardiologists, and patients to determine the best course of treatment for an individual patient. I think your uh, study mentioned the percentage of sites that were using endoscopic vein harvesting. Did I read 70%? Or maybe that applies across the U.S.? Yeah, so data from the Society of Thoracic Surgeons National Database as up-to-date as 2005 and 2006 suggests that about 70% of patients undergoing coronary artery bypass surgery now in the United States are getting endoscopic graft harvesting. And those numbers are increasing over time as people have understood the short-term benefits and as more surgeons have gotten comfortable with uh, the techniques of endoscopic graft harvesting. In your article, you mentioned, and we've discussed it today, the need for randomized controlled trials to really get a better handle on the influence of these various techniques and and the outcomes. And you mentioned registries now. STS has a fabulous surgical registry. What is the role of a registry? How, how could registries help assist in this research? So registries provide critical information on practices around cardiac surgery, and the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, as you mentioned, has a, a national registry, which actually captures about 70% or 75% of adult cardiac surgery procedures in the United States. So it's a very valuable resource to describe current practices. Uh, The two big limitations of the Society of Thoracic Surgeons Registry to address this question are that the duration of follow-up in that registry is limited to 30 days. And so assessing the impact of endoscopic graft harvesting on long-term outcomes is really something that's not possible in that registry. We've been talking with Dr. John Alexander about endoscopic vein harvesting in coronary bypass graft procedures. Dr. Alexander, thank you for being our guest today. It's been my pleasure speaking with you. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.